0: You ever see in the ocean the big whale shark that goes by and then all these little fish that kind of swim next to it? If you're the whale shark, you're the platform. You can support a number of partnerships. And at some point, one of those fish can grow to be quite large and then they can become another whale shark and you can have your own ecosystem. Because there are so much competition within the marketplaces already, it's very hard to get above the fold. So you need to work at it. It's most fruitful if you can concentrate your efforts in a couple chosen marketplaces that you want to be a part of.
1: Hi, I'm Craig Kirsteins, and I'm Remis Silkaitis, and you're listening to Practical Product, a bi-weekly series where we discuss product management and some of the unique challenges we face in dealing with defining the right product and all of the coordination necessary to help teams build it right. Practical Product is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated
2: to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you have a specific topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct at or on Twitter at practicalprod. Welcome to another episode of Practical Product. and Today on our show we have Connie Kwan. Hi. How are you today?
0: Great, thank you.
2: She wants to talk to us about product and marketplaces. So thank you for being on the show today. Can you give us a little bit of background on... Your experience in this area,
0: of course. I worked at Atlassian for three and a half years as the head of product for the Atlassian's marketplace. So this is uh, the app store for Atlassian that transacts over two thousand products within the marketplace to the uh, tens of thousands of customers that Atlassian has.
2: Two thousand products. Mm-hmm. Did you, you you did not source all those pro- those products yourselves? These were people that came into your marketplace. That's correct? right. That's right. Okay. Great. Because uh, I could imagine sourcing 2,000 products actually being very challenging.
0: Yeah, it wasn't all at once. It came in over time. So the marketplace has been in existence for over 10 years now.
2: 10 years, that's yeah. a long time. And so were you overseeing that over that course of that whole 10 years?
0: No, so I joined when the marketplace was commercially transacting for about a year. Okay. And prior to that, there was a time when it wasn't marketplace.atlassian.com yet, it was more like a distro list Mm -hmm. and people were able to find out solutions that they can buy directly from the provider. So not through Atlassian and it was more like a Craigslist style type of interaction. And then over time there was such demand for a more formal way to transact that the Atlassian marketplace was born.
2: Awesome. So You've got two thousand products in there, and you transition from this listing
1: service to a marketplace. How did you create that demand? Like you had to start somewhere, right? Whereas uh, now they come to you and show up, right? Once you've got two thousand, you've got a large marketplace. People show up and expect to, you know, reach out to all those developers. Mm-hmm. Where do you go and get customer number one for the marketplace? How is that transition from you know the kind of distribution list where I'm sure you know people weren't showing up in the same way people were recommending other things to each other? How do you go to like customer number one when you're launching a marketplace?
0: Ah, so you're you're talking more about the side that buys the apps versus the providers of the apps.
1: Oh, uh, now actually the provider side, because that's the side
2: that I'm most curious about. Because as a product manager, and I have I have a product that I have, or I want to go build something new. Why would I go into your marketplace at all? Like, right. what incentives do you create for that?
0: Yeah. So often, if I was trying to judge whether I should list in a specific marketplace, then to me that is essentially a distribution channel. Right, So I would look at, what is the reach of this channel for me? Right, Do they have 50,000 customers, or 30,000 customers, or 10,000 customers? However many are in there, I should understand that. And then I should also understand whether those customers are all basically available markets to me. Some of them might not be the right target. So understanding the mix of customers that are within their reach is really important. And then let's say I determine, okay, I make DevTools uh, 100% of Atlassian's marketplace customers or Atlassian's tooling customers are actually customers of mine as well, so I want to reach all of them. That's a really great fit, right? But if you go to a different marketplace, let's say GitHub, and you say, oh, look, only about 50% of those customers, because they're way more specialized, you know, just 50% of those customers are going to be important to me. But these customers actually have a very strong need for my product. So, you know, there's almost like two dimensions now you're judging on is the reach, just sheer quantity, and then there's the pain, right? Like how much will your product provide alleviation of that pain? Because both are important in terms of uh, the number of conversions you'll get later and the value of those conversions. You know, one is more just sheer like number of customers you get and the other is more customer lifetime value.
2: So as a product manager looking to enter a particular marketplace, do these marketplaces or the companies associated with them publish a lot of that customer information about who their customer base looks like so that I can go make those decisions that you're talking about or is that research that I typically have to go do on my own?
0: Uh, The fastest way to do it is just to Google it. You can probably find out if it's a public company, you can most likely download a 10K and actually see how many customers they have, they often talk about that. If they don't, then maybe you watch their LinkedIn or Twitter feed and maybe they have celebration milestones that the company announces, right? And those would be good ways to find out. If not, then you can just email the marketplace and ask them, right? I'm interested in listing, uh, you're going to get some money out of this because you're going to take your distribution cut from me. So as a customer from the supplier end, I want to understand exactly how much reach will I get from your marketplace and also you know, what types of customers might be in there and can you share with me that info. I think that if you're legitimately interested in listing and they can hit your website and see that you're legitimate, there's no reason why they wouldn't share that with you.
1: And generally you'll find like each of these marketplaces if they're large enough will have a full-time PM dedicated to it as well as like a account rep that is kind of like a salesperson for the marketplace itself. So usually there's a point of contact that's pretty easy. It's not like you're just going through standard support. This is what they do is onboard, you know, customer after customer as a provider in the marketplace really commonly. Right, Didn't you run marketplaces at Heroku, Craig? I did for a little while. Yeah, and we actually kind of went from that early stage of early add-ons ecosystem, more self-service, to growing it into you know, a full-time kind of partner manager, into dedicated PMs and hired actually several other PMs onto that team, dedicated engineering teams. So it's not just kind of a tacked-on side of the, you know, these products, oftentimes it's very key to their growth. So uh, I'm curious a little bit on the other side of the trade-offs, right? So it's a valuable channel, but for a PM out there that's you know, building a product, growing your own customer base, investing in this channel is also a trade-off when I'm not doing something direct. So how do you weigh the pros and cons or what are the downsides that you should be aware of you know, before you go and say, hey, let's go get on 10 different you know, marketplaces because then we have 10 more channels, right? Because that means 10x revenue, that's how that math works, right? <laughs> but like, what are the trade-offs that you should be aware of and careful of and, and think through before you jump head on in?
0: Right, so the channels aren't free to you, right? For every channel that you choose to invest in, it doesn't make any sense to invest on the very surface level. And by that, I mean to go in there and basically dump your assets in, type in the description, and then log out of there and hope that money starts flowing in. Most likely that won't happen, at least nowadays, right? Because there are so much competition within the marketplaces already that it's very hard to get to above the fold. So you need to work at it, uh, and a good amount you need to work at. So it's most fruitful if you can concentrate your efforts in a couple chosen marketplaces that you want to be a part of. And keeping in mind that while you are giving up likely 25% or so, 30%, maybe, depending on the marketplace, uh, in terms of the revenue that you bring into that marketplace, you really want to spend time leveraging any resources that they might provide to you so that you can rise to the top of the pile, right? And believe me, that will be a big pile in there. But hopefully you've done your research and you've looked at the marketplaces and you've understood their reach, you've understood the percentage that's going to matter to you and the pain of those customers and also the competition that's in there, right? So that you can have a very clear picture and most likely those the same competition is living in there alongside your just direct channel. So it's not new research necessarily, but it's slightly different angle in terms of okay, how do you position yourself specifically around this subset of competitors within this marketplace versus that other marketplace? Because the reality is, you know, customer X is gonna come in and let's say they already buy Jira. Well, it's likely they'll just buy things that connect to JIRA. So they'll only look in the subset of things that connect to Jira. And so you're in there and instead of competing with 10 things, now you're competing with five, which is great for you, but how do you stand out amongst those five? Like, how do you get in front of those customers differently? You might actually want to start investing, showing up at the events around those marketplaces. So, Atlassian, for example, has an annual conference. You know, if you're in the Salesforce marketplace, they have an annual conference. Uh, GitHub, I don't know, do they have an annual conference yet? Yeah, yes, oh,
2: yes. We, we trust me, we've got an annual conference. Yeah. it's in a it's in, an, it's in a couple of weeks.
0: There you go, GitHub has an annual conference, and do you have a conference specifically around marketplace developers?
2: Uh, we we do that as part of the conference, so okay. it's like so, so we have that one, full week, and then thanks. it's in there. We do some some work with our partners. Yes,
0: cool. Um, some of them actually split them up into two different conferences. So keep in mind that that could be true. Um, the The customer conference is more useful to you as a channel for winning customers to yourself. The other one, the developer one, where you go in as a vendor partner, that one is useful for meeting other vendors in the marketplace. Actually, so that you can understand different ways of transacting and being effective in that marketplace and you'll find people that are not necessarily direct competitors to you they might actually be partnerships to you they might make complementary products to yours and those are really great people to meet and just learn from each other on um, because you can be, kind of complementary to each other.
1: Yeah, I think throughout all that the the investment that you put in it's is directly kind of related to what you get out. It was the number one question at Heroku when running the add-ons marketplace there that I got was from from the add-on partners was Hey, how do I make more money? How do I get more out of this? Right when I have someone that goes over, you know, their API limits, how do I get them to upgrade to the next plan? And my first question was, have you emailed them? Have you turned them off? Have you cut them? You know, do you have a hard limit? And they're like, no, we don't do any of that. Do you do that on your core product? So you need to with all of these integrations with a marketplace. If you build a better experience, you get better uh, returns from it. So what you put into it very much determines what you get out.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're talking about now a deeper integration because obviously you can either just iframe something into their page, that's sort of a really light integration, may take you a week or two, or you can literally have a whole team dedicated, which happens. Some vendors dedicate an entire team just to integrate with the Atlassian stack and you get this really deep experience where it feels like part of the core product, and those are products that really stand out when customers choose. So you have that trade-off to make, right? Do you feel like this is a strong enough channel for you to actually invest features into your product that serve only this subset of customers? Or do you feel like you need to keep it generic, but realize that you're going to be less competitive in some of these marketplaces? The other aspect I didn't yet mention is pricing. So, when you go into a marketplace, you sometimes lose the ability to price the way you want to. And that's unfortunate, but it actually simplifies the purchase path for your customer, which is the reason it's done. So, the benefit you have as a vendor when you enter a marketplace is your customers no longer need to get you on their vendor list. They can just buy through the marketplace. And that's huge. I mean, you probably know all the hurdles you have to get through in order to pass through all the signatures to get yourself paid. And with listing in a marketplace, you skip all that. The downside, of course, is you price how the marketplace decides you should price. And if you cannot price the way they do, like for example, you charge by seat of active user, but the marketplace requires you to have two different types of users, one that is a write user and one that is a read user, then you must create some way of conforming with their need. And sometimes that's easily hackable, sometimes it's not. So the pricing aspect might also be another factor to help you determine which marketplace to choose.
2: So you talk about price, I'm kind of curious just in the general context of you know, you've know, entered into this marketplace on the operational side, when you are interacting with a lot of these customers, whose brand suffers more when there are problems, like there is a support issue or there is something that happens, maybe it's the connection that, ha- that exists between the two products or something else like that. Is it really like your problem as the integrator or the supplier, or does that problem land on the company that actually has the, the core marketplace provider?
0: Yeah, so the platform provider will always seek to shield themselves from liability as much as they can or bad PR, and that's true for any platform. I mean, look at Google, Apple, they take really big steps in ensuring that it looks very different, what's theirs versus what's yours, right? And so that's really understandable because ultimately if it breaks, Nine times out of 10, it is the integrations problem versus the platforms problem. Now, one time out of 10, it could be something on the platform went awry that broke your code, right? But unfortunately, you will get blamed for that as well. So it behooves you to stay up to date with any API changes that might happen on the platform. There are quite often... Mailing lists you can subscribe to or RSS feeds you can subscribe to, like ways to get notified so that when things change and you'll have some heads up about the changes, so that you can get ahead of it and test it before it goes out. And then you need to get your update out around the same time so that customers have time to update and not have broken code.
2: So the lesson here is that if you are going to go into a marketplace, like you have to nurture it, stay on top of it. There's some brand risk for yourself because of the platform or the marketplace is going to say, hey, here are our boundaries. This is where the problem is, it's over there. So if you're going to interact here, like be a participant, be there, do those things.
0: Yes, exactly. exactly. It goes back to the, it's not free, right? You have to, one, adapt your product and messaging to that platform, but also stay on top of it. It's, it's an investment on your part.
1: Yeah, I've often found like the the support channel is one that's often neglected and not thought about. Like a ticket's open and it comes through the, you know, the marketplace kind of central support system and then it gets routed, right? And you should be in there looking for those, paying attention, responding in the right, you know, SLA timeline fashion, that sort of thing and maybe you, know, you kind of went through that onboarding when you first launched the marketplace, but is the, the rest of the support staff fully trained on it? Are they paying attention to it? That's one of those things that I often see that's overlooked and missed, and it can create that really negative experience uh, for anyone using you know, the integration.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, and I think the training load is sometimes overlooked. In that, when you add more channels, it complicates life for your support folks. So, uh, having very clear documentation certainly helps, but but it will make it more complicated. So, choose wisely. Maybe start with one, and then expand.
1: So I'm curious on one thing, uh, and we kind of mentioned pricing briefly. Uh, so most of these marketplaces take a cut. Some some do not take any cut, so it's pretty clear that, hey, if you can fit into the right kind of axis that's maybe slightly different than what you price by direct, but it's close enough, or if it's if it's seats and you can price by seats in the marketplace, great, right? You're identical. But what happens when the marketplace does take a 20 a 30% cut? Do you charge the same as you do direct and just take that margin hit? Or what do you see most companies doing and what works and what doesn't?
0: Well, here's the reality, a customer will find you on the marketplace listing, but they'll find your normal website too. (laughs) So if you have $10 listed on your normal website and $12 listed in the marketplace, it's going to raise some eyebrows. And they're going to want to know, okay, is the $10 version different than the $12 version? If you can say yes to that, you probably can get away with it, right? If you say, look, the $12 version is because we actually spent some extra effort to integrate better with the platform. And you'll find these particular benefits because of what we've done. So it is represents an actual investment on our part, and therefore it costs more. Okay. I can understand that. But the optics will get funny and you might get some complaints about it. So you'll have to dance that line. And the example I gave is, you know, it's a small enough gap that they might not notice or they might just say, ah, that's fine. I, I, I'm willing to pay the price difference. But if you make it much larger, you might lose customers. They might lose faith in, in the way you do business.
2: Uh, generally, though, I've I've been looking in the news and uh, platforms. I think at large or marketplaces. I think we're using those two words interchangeably right now. I think there's a lot of competitive pressures on them right now. I think last time I checked, back in 2017, I think Salesforce reduced their take rate from
1: 25 percent to 15 percent.
0: Yes, well,
1: there's a number out there that are actually zero percent. Uh, I think actually AWS is a great example, and you know AWS is nice and small and quaint. So. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Google and Apple platforms also reduced their rates. I believe they went down to same thirty percent for first year and then fifteen percent for subsequent years, which is a huge shift in the, the culture of how marketplaces charge because they're big leaders in this space. Yeah. So it's worth asking again, you are a partner but you're also a customer to this marketplace like keeping in mind you are also paying the bills for some of the PMs or dev teams that are in there building the marketplaces so act like one and ask questions of them and make sure you're getting the value you need to be a part of their ecosystem because you're helping each other out
2: so at some point you know if if you get large enough then maybe you can throw some of that weight around if it is a big enough distribution channel for you and it is for them as you being the supplier then maybe yeah to your point you know, you can be the customer, ask for things, do stuff. I know, I think I saw Netflix is even asking to get out of the uh, in app subscriptions at uh, Apple. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can certainly ask for things. And within reason, right? I think asking it artfully and respectfully is important. Of course. This is a partner, and, and they're not dependent on your business. In fact, it's quite the other way around for the most part. But don't be shy to engage in that conversation, is what I'm saying.
1: So we've talked a lot about like you know going into a marketplace. I've got my product and I'm building you know to get into a marketplace. I'm also curious on the other side of, hey, I'm building my product. I want to build a marketplace and platform that others can build on, right? When do you start to go from, okay, I'm just a product to I'm a platform now that has my own marketplace component? When's the time for that? How do you approach that kind of uh, decision?
0: Yeah, so you ever see in the ocean the big whale shark that goes by and then all these little fish that kind of, Swim next to it. I use that analogy because that's really salient here, where if you're the whale shark, then you're the platform. You can support a number of partnerships on your side. And at some point, one of those fish can grow to be quite large, and then they can become another whale shark. You can split off. You can be your own, and you can have your own ecosystem. But it's going to take some time, and the transition is gradual, right? It doesn't make any sense to invest in your own until you have a strong base of customers. Just because it takes effort to build an ecosystem, right? I mean, companies are hosting conferences, companies have separate teams to manage the ecosystem, you're managing a lot more relationships, you have transactions happening in there. There is off the shelf marketplaces you can rent. Actually, it's gotten to that point where a lot of people want marketplaces that you can just rent that service. But that's another thing to maintain. So it's really, you got to think about it as another product. So the question is, well, is your company large enough that you want to support this product that essentially allows you to become a platform?
1: Is there a common size, you know, in terms of employees or revenue or users that you often see that okay, you're across this threshold, it makes sense?
0: Interestingly, it has more to do with the type of product you have than the size. Obviously, if you hit a certain size, you know, you you have a much higher success also, but that size is much larger than the audience that we're talking about at least definitely larger than startups. But if your product is uniquely a platform, then it actually makes sense a lot sooner. And I think I want to focus on those cases, right? So Tulio, for example, they're a platform product, you know, and they have an ecosystem of things. So... If you are a platform product and you're likely to need to connect A to B in order to be successful, then in fact it's part of your product strategy to provide this marketplace. And it may be a marketplace, it may just be a you know Craigslist-style listing, it may be you kind of create the... Interconnections on your own, like you build those integrations yourself, like some key ones because you absolutely need those. There's a huge spectrum, but I think it's useful to understand: is integrations a huge piece of my success? Like, can I be unsuccessful entirely if I don't have it? And then, okay, if I if I need to have it, how much do I need to be successful as a product? If I just need these five key integrations to be successful, just go build it, right? But if I go, I'm going to need two thousand because. You know, I sit in the middle of a workflow that is going to have all these offshoots. Then it might make sense to invest earlier in creating that ecosystem, and it will take you know it'll take ten years to get to the point where you have two thousand suppliers in there um, and you convert one at a time, right? So starting early and keeping it simple in the beginning is going to be really key for you.
2: Can we go back to one thing? Uh, Can you define platform for me because sometimes I have trouble discerning between what is a product and what is a platform, because I know for a, a lot of folks that I talk to, they, they, they kind of split the difference sometimes. And so how do you define platform?
0: Well, let me define the product first. I define a product, a pure product play as your customer, the person who uses your product, is the one paying you. Okay. Same person. Mm-hmm. A platform is when that is two different people. Right. Okay.
2: So it's, I, I would assume it's like you've got a seller and you've got a buyer, and there's a transaction happening without you might be facilitating the transaction, but you're yeah. not necessarily the one taking it from both sides. Maybe yeah. that's not the right yeah, explanation. Yeah.
0: So, Air, Airbnb, for example, they're a platform because they list all these rooms. Uh, somebody else lists all these rooms, actually, and that person gets paid through you. Right. So you're getting paid from A, who is actually renting a room from B. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a it's not a direct it's not like a hotel where I'm providing the rooms and so A comes stays in my room and pays me. That's very simple. Right. Right? If I'm Airbnb, now I have to juggle two different relationships. I have this chicken and egg problem where I need to grow enough rooms in my system that aren't actually rooms that I build, and find enough people to stay in those rooms and then somehow take a cut out of it.
2: And so in, in software platforms, it's, it's still kind of the same concept, right? We can That, that applies in those contexts as well.
0: Um, there's the technical platform. Sometimes people use that in the technical <laughs> context where they're talking about uh, something you can plug in with APIs, right? So it gets a little blended because when you are a platform in the business sense, you need to have a platform in the technical sense quite often, especially with DevTools, in order to enable... This interaction to happen. Not so with Airbnb, right? Because it's a pure consumer platform, but quite often, if you have a dev tool that is a platform, you need other dev tools to plug into it. And in order for other dev tools to plug into it, well, you need to have APIs. And then now they plug into your product, so now you need a transaction platform to enable that A to B selling to happen through you, right? So that's why you sort of have two layers of platforms that are happening at once.
2: So, for a lot of the developers that listen to our show, like if you're thinking in kind of API context, you're already kind of starting in that direction, in which you can start thinking of yourself as a platform. So long as, you know, whatever it is that you're building, maybe it it be API related or not. So long as that can facilitate some transaction between two
1: parties that that can happen, then sure, fine, you're a platform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Cool.
1: So I'm curious on the uh, the common stakeholders that you have as you you know you've made the decision to go ahead and integrate with this marketplace. Who usually is involved in that decision? How do you come to it? Is just one product and engineering team? Is it sales marketing? Like, how many people do you have to get on board? Who's optional? Who's required? What's the typical process of like getting that buy in there?
0: Most likely, you'll want to get sales and marketing involved and talk through what your shared responsibilities are and what you each own. Because marketing might come in seeing this as a channel strategy. right? Uh, Sales might also see it that way. And I think it's important for the company to fully understand how everybody is seeing, and you should see it in the same way. For example, if you are looking at it straight up as a marketing channel strategy, Let's say you're dipping your toe in it, you're just gonna go ahead and register for free and list it, right? You're not gonna do any integration work. Um, In fact, the listing is just gonna have a button, it's gonna come back to your own website, okay? So that's a pretty simple listing. And that might just run in the marketing camp for a little while. You know, it's an experiment that they do. They're gonna track the clicks and they're gonna see if anything converts from there. Um, And that gives you some indication of the demand from that marketplace. Let's say it evolves into, wow, we have this overwhelming uh, influx of people. We're going to want to build some features around it. All of a sudden, your product team is more involved. And so you you start having to basically mutually understand who's going to start taking those reins, right? Um, if someone comes in from support channel asking about it, who's going to answer that, right? Is support trained to answer that? Is Product going to train support to answer those questions, or is marketing going to train support to answer those questions, right? So it depends on the depth of your integration and who's involved as a, as a result of that. But certainly, anybody involved, usually sales, marketing, and product should be in the room. And then when you get to pricing, you know, it's the same folks again. And you might even involve the CEO in that case, depending on the size of the company, to talk through that.
2: You mentioned uh, marketplaces being a distribution channel or being the top of the marketing funnel for you and your product, et cetera, what other strategies exist for me as a supplier of going into a marketplace beyond just customer acquisition? Are there any?
0: There are some marketplaces that offer or are contemplating to offer support from a monetary perspective to products that list in their marketplace. So uh, Salesforce worth looking up to see if they have a fund around it. I know that uh, Envision has a fund. Envision is the design tool. They actually have a fund around that.
2: Doesn't Slack do this as well, where they will fund uh, integrators to build on their platform?
0: Slack, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Slack has a fund. So you may be able to apply and qualify for some of this money that comes through. And I think even more importantly than the money is your relationship with them because now you are much more prominent in the eyes of the people within the platform company so you have those relationships built up that helps you understand okay how do they rank and stack the products in there how might you be able to get access to ad spots if they provide those what do customers gravitate towards like there's a lot of information that will be helpful in positioning your product in the marketplace that you can only gain from going to the events, meeting the customers, knowing the team. And it takes time to build these and that's the investment that you do. So whatever way you can do that and if it's by being a part of a funded company, that's actually a really great way. You should also ask if they run any hackathons or do they do any not monetary sponsorship necessarily but but development weeks where they might bring you in and do some development together sitting next to the team that builds the APIs I mean, you should be able to understand the value of that, but I mean, they are interested, right? They're interested in understanding you as a vendor, what do you want to build, right? Um, So that they can provide you with the API endpoints and you're interested in getting those API endpoints. So if you can sit next to them for a week or two and if you can find an opportunity to do that, like ask the platform provider if they can do that with you or if they have a program for that, it will help you build the bridge for later on if you need to do something special with your product, you can ask for those API endpoints and really make your products shine.
1: And I, I think beyond that, you know, we mentioned kind of the channel and distribution, but there's also the knowledge, right? Like if they're the big fish, they have a better view of the landscape, they have, you know, more direct access to more customers, and they can actually help inform, you know, uh, you about where the market's headed how things are changing where you should be headed as you build the product right so there's a lot of opportunity not just from a hey let's have an extra channel and get some extra revenue and users but from a a strategic perspective as you build up that relationship with them yeah so at what point do you say uh, this is to
2: take the conversation a little bit different direction at what point do you say i'm pulling out of this marketplace and like what are those reasons why you would want to leave a marketplace
0: I can see a scenario where you invested in, say, four different marketplace channels, and one of them is performing very poorly. You might decide, hey, going to pull that one, right? It's not without risk because all those customers need to get transitioned somehow. And if you have a deep integration, then it could be a hard conversation, right? You're essentially deprecating them and you're not supporting them anymore. You might be able to transition them out if there is not a deep integration, and you might just maintain them for a little while but you know you're basically cutting off a set of customers so that's a hard hard one
2: is it better to get rid of the integration itself or just let it sit there and just leave it as is
0: it's better to tell your customers as soon as you're able to and give them a basically a deadline for when you stop supporting so that they have ample opportunity to look for alternative solutions.
2: We had a a separate episode here on practical product where we talked about deprecations and it's really important to have that relationship with the customer and tell them as soon as possible or as soon as you can because they're counting on you to have that service.
1: But it's also a very challenging thing to do. Just because it's a marketplace doesn't mean you're immune from all the other standard product practices.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's possible you decided to have your own marketplace and you're going to stop integrating with other ones. That's an interesting transition. I personally haven't managed through that before. And that might be a, a trigger point for you to stop listing in other ones. But you may still list as a way to keep sort of the funnel going without deep integrations. I don't really know what that looks like yet. But it seems if you've done the research and invested in the channel and presumably you've done a little bit of either experimentation to see what the flow might be or you've directly participated and talked to some customers in that space that it would be a pretty serious decision to remove yourself from that ecosystem.
2: There's always a whole host of variables and decisions companies go through or changes in strategic direction that may require changes in distribution and so, who knows? I mean, any any number of reasons could exist for someone to want to pull out of a marketplace. Yeah. So, we spent a good amount of time talking about marketplaces today, both from listing your service in one or creating a marketplace itself. What are ways that I could learn more about it?
0: There's a couple of great talks within the Heavy Bit library that you might want to reference on this topic. Um, I as a product strategist help companies chase down product hunches. So if you have a hunch that Marketplace might be a good fit for your company, certainly welcome a conversation and you can reach out to me at productmaestro.com.
2: Awesome, that's great. Thanks for being on the show today, Connie. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a PM topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproducts at heavybit.com
1: or on Twitter at practicalprod. To learn more about HeavyBit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders.